Well, hello and welcome to Robot Congress Classics. Morrison and Allie are still working around the world, so I get to continue to reintroduce you to some classic episodes from Robot Congress's early days. This week, we find out that Morrison isn't a real OG gamer, because he played one of the great indie games, Bastion, on his phone on the plane. And you hear me being really judgy about it. We talk about the laws and future potentials of travel. That's right, as I'm sure you saw by the title of this episode, we talk travel transportation, which includes, but is not limited to, transporters from Star Trek, smart cars, can I fly myself around on my own drone from my own smartphone and or tablet? Maybe I reference Ghost in the Shell. Maybe not. There are self-driving cars in Ghost in the Shell. Why are automated cars good? Can you imagine there being no traffic because there's no delay between humans having to wait to break or start again from having come to a complete stop? Google and Apple are huge with this. Google Maps and Apple Maps are one of the big reasons these companies have such amazing GPS applications. It's so they can eventually muscle in on the self-driving car business. Or maybe actually start it. But I digress. Would you get on a Star Trek transporter pad, breaking down your atoms and reforming you on the other side? Is it really you? Or did you just die and a perfect copy was created on the other end. Oh no, this episode is pretty great. Morrison and I generally have fantastic back and forth. That's why you enjoy our show so much, I'm sure. But this one is particularly great. Ha ha! Self-confidence. Oh, and what if Apple's smart car locks you in a car and drives you around all day, forcing you to miss work and or feed your dog? Are they going to give you a store credit? Who's responsible? Also, we hate on the TSA, as is tradition. And I just want to thank our patient listeners for bearing with us during times of scheduling and general life difficulties. Enjoy! This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Robot Congress. I'm Ryan Morrison. And I'm Austin Hoffman. I don't know if I could be friends with Ryan anymore after what I just heard. Apparently, he played Bastion, but he played Bastion on the iPhone 4. I don't know if we can continue this podcast anymore. I mean... It was good on the mobile phone. I played it on a plane. Let me guess. You didn't even hear the music. You didn't even hear anything. You, you didn't get to enjoy I any of the experience. Phones. Oh my god. No, I'm kidding. Of course I did. But you don't play Bastion for the gameplay. You play Bastion for the music and the narration. And the so story. So what you... Yeah, And exactly. the gameplay. The gameplay no. was good too. Are you kidding the me? The gameplay was fun, but it was very mobile friendly. It's a very good mobile game. The visuals, the music, they and the style. They look great on my sc- I had the brightness turned all the way down so I could barely see the visuals because I wanted the battery to last on the plane. Uh, oh my god. I'm going to pass out. This was prehistoric. <laughs> this was before every plane had a, a, an outlet on it, which is outrageous. If I get on a plane now and it doesn't have an outlet, I actually just I want to get off the plane. Well, no, because yeah. How are you supposed to power all of your electronics? I was just on a Delta flight that had Wi-Fi but no outlets. That's what kind of future of ridiculous. transportation is this? So that is the topic of today's episode. Before you so really <laughs> interrupted, today we're going to be discussing the future of transportation. First, we're going to deal with the topic that exists already: self-driving cars. We have automated driving machines, and we have a lot of governments looking at rules for them. Almost shockingly, can I drive a self-driving car yet? About eight states have laws already enacted on self-driving cars. Although, to be fair, most Most of them just say the DMV is in charge of making rules and the DMV hasn't really done much yet. Now, also to be fair, we don't have self-driving cars on every street yet. 
That said, there's enough out there and there's enough progress there that we should be taking it pretty seriously pretty quickly. Washington, D.C. has some of the best legislation I've seen on it, at least that they went to fully define what an autonomous vehicle is and really try to look at it from a science angle. D.C. defines an autonomous vehicle as a vehicle capable of navigating district roadways and interpreting traffic control devices without a driver actively operating any of the vehicle's control system. It also says that it requires a human driver prepared to take control of the autonomous vehicle at any moment. That last bit is very important. A self-driving car is going to have to make a decision when it comes into a situation. The DC law basically says that's not true. If a situation happens, the human needs to take over and deal with it immediately. A famous example here that comes up quite often in this philosophical and technological discussion, you look at an automated car who is just driving down the road, doing its thing. The driver's in the in the driver's seat, maybe paying attention, maybe not. A drunk guy stumbles in front of the car and falls down. Obviously, you're going to program the car to slam on its brakes. That's a no-brainer. Everyone's answer, they think they get out of the question is, oh, just, you know, slam on the brakes. Of course. But you also have to program the car to go forward and hit the person in front of you or veer to the side and potentially kill the driver if you hit a tree. Probably going to just go forward then and hit whoever's unfortunate, the, the drunk guy, whoever's unfortunate to uh, fall into the street. It's easy for people to jump to that conclusion also in the uh, initial question. Oh, yeah, you run over the drunk idiot in the road. He shouldn't have been there. But what happens if it's a four-year-old girl running to chase her ball across the street? Then the story becomes a little different. Do you murder a child knowingly because you are afraid to kind of take a risk to the side? I think it would be hypocritical to give a different answer. One interesting solution is we make the cars fly a little bit. You don't oh, have to be do that. Yeah. But I mean, in all seriousness, that's the solution, isn't it? You make flying cars. So even slightly hovering cars, if someone falls and you're not hitting them, we turn it into something akin to the Jetsons or Fifth Element or the Star Wars prequels, if you believe those exist. Or Futurama. Yeah, right. I mean, honestly, yeah, any of those where the automated cars are on their own automated roadway where humans cannot get to. It doesn't have to be flying, but let's say it's an automated tube yeah, roadway. You say like, you know, like 10 feet in the air, eight feet in the air. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's that's not ridiculous to have technology to do that by any means it's no. it's more expensive certainly it's more dangerous as a fender bender turns into death but that's okay because these automated cars are going to potentially then be so safe that they will never hit each other airline travel is the safest form of travel that's just when you crash say. it's the worst if you look at those three categories though jetsons star wars fifth element and i'm not sure about futurama although no, no, no of course in futurama. futurama does have flying cars and they even have the no, no no i didn't mean that i meant that in every one of those scenarios the cars are very easily turned manual Every one of those movies or shows has a whoops, we're off autopilot and bam, they take the control and do it. But of course, Leela does that all the time. I can think of, well, specifically, I can think of Futurama, the cop cars lifted up and chased after it. That would mean they're completely manual where that roadway exists in the air. People are flying down their their sky roads. It's illegal to fly above it. But it also makes it much more dangerous if you're manually driving in the sky. I mean, it's already very difficult for me to believe that most people in this country are able to drive a car, let alone giving them now a flying Flying death machine. I mean, that's just that's very different. I believe if there is any kind of hovering vehicles in the future, which there has to be eventually, it's going to be completely automated. You're going to be put on a roadway. Maybe it's manual when you get off in your local neighborhood or whatever. But I, I can't imagine we have flying manual cars that are so easy. You can look at another set of laws that are not the same thing by any means, but in the same ballpark, which is the drones and the FEA regulations. The little drones, everybody used to have fun flying in Central Park or wherever else. They now have very strict laws surrounding them about when and where you can fly them. 
A lot of Hollywood studios use them for every cinematography shot in the world, and now they have to do it in very specific locations with very specific licenses. It's not the same thing anymore. And the reason is, is it was interrupting air, airline travel, and it was just dangerous. Plus, you could make it go up to the third floor and, you know, watch some woman change clothes. Obviously not something anyone was comfortable with. One of the reasons that, that these legislations came into, into being is because you started being able to control these drones with your smartphone. Anyone could use them. And they became so widely available. They weren't just like a side hobby kind of thing. You could just go to like Best Buy and buy them. You didn't have to go to like a little hobby shop with a crickety old man that said, you want to buy a flying airplane? No. They could hover. They were easy to control. That's going to be true of all the technology we're talking about, which is an important thing to keep in mind. They start with these very passionate hobby groups, then something goes wrong or they become widely available overnight and all of a sudden reactionary and bad law is made. So I could very much see that happening with automated cars where, oh, that's a thing of the future. And all our legislators who can't open their email are saying, oh, ho, ho, you know, they look at it like you and I look at Jetsons flying cars, not quite there yet, not going to happen, not something to worry about yet. But they're looking at automated cars that already exist in the same way. And eventually one year, they're going to just be on the mass market. There's going to be a lot of automated cars out there and we're not going to have proper laws in place. I'm very happy to see that places like DC and California are really trying to at least acknowledge the existence of these cars and and put in proper laws, but at least half of our states have never even had a conversation about it. And that's crazy to me because this is something that's going to be everywhere overnight when it happens. And it's something that we're just not properly preparing for. Well, how can you prepare? We don't know what this technology is going to be at all. The first thing you could do is start talking to the people making the technology. Invite them into these legislative hearings. Try to educate the people making the laws here. That's going to have to happen. They, they have to know what they're dealing with. Most people have no idea what an automated car is. They, it's not the robot cars from the movie iRobot. It's, it's certainly not what the Jetsons have. It's going to be something that has basic collision detection and can follow a roadway, can follow a map. There's going to be issues. It's going to lose satellite or get screwed up or or not have everything internal. Who knows? But there's going to be issues with it. And we should be prepared for those issues. We should know who is in trouble if an automated car hits somebody. Is it the driver's responsibility? Is it the person who programmed it responsibility to make sure it doesn't hit something? At some point, we have to say, this car is not infallible. It's going to eventually hit something. Whose fault is it then? Is the idea behind self-driving cars that they will be uh, more infallible than a person driving a car? The idea behind automated cars in terms of safety, as I understand it, is that when all cars are automated, there will be no more accidents or traffic ever. They're going to flow in and out of roadways very nicely. They're going to have a, a set distance that they get to other cars. The issue becomes, I guess, when there's just basic malfunctions, which happen in anything. If you don't upkeep your machines, they can break. It relies on some kind of satellite navigation. What if there's a, a heavy overcast and it can't get the reading right? Problems will occur. Problems will happen. But that said, it's, it's you know, there's a lot more problems when humans are driving. There's a lot more bad reactions when humans are driving. You were joking about texting and driving earlier. That's exactly the kind of thing that this will prevent and stop. I've heard of the Google self-driving cars are they the only company that's doing this no apple has one that's arguably even more advanced and there's a yeah there's a lot of companies that are putting money in when this hits it's going to hit just like the regular automobile did where ford was the first mass-produced one but then everybody was right behind them 
Who has the patent on a self-driving car? Patents wouldn't exist for a self-driving car. Patent would exist for a lot of the mechanisms in the car and maybe the different collision technology it has or maybe the perfect solution to the guy falling down in front of it. That kind of stuff would be patented and it's the same argument we had last week, whether it hinders advancement and whether that's slowing down the entire industry or whether it's incentivizing people to make better technology faster. So it's a bunch of companies that are getting in on this and it's actually a way of the future. It's not just fanciful talk. Right. It's not some it's not some fad that's not going to happen. It's not the hoverboard from Back to the Future. It's something that really is right around the corner, technologically speaking. It's something that we will have in our lifetimes 1000%. And it's something that will be old hat to our kids, probably, where they won't believe we used to drive our own cars to work. You used to drive your car by yourself? I know. It's <laughs> like, but I mean, it's it's the same. There was a, a video on YouTube last week where the, the father asked his uh, kid to hang up the phone in the hotel room, and the kid ha- had almost a panic attack, couldn't figure it out. It was a cord- corded phone, and she had no idea that you had to hang up a phone on the receiver. I did not she see that She had never seen that before in her life. She had only seen phones. You clicked a button to hang up, and she looked all over the phone and couldn't figure it out until she actually unplugged the cord. As silly as that might be and as not intelligent as we all might think that kid is, in reality, it's just something that has never existed in her life. And it's going to be the same with cars. It's something that is so right around the corner. And so many companies are putting so much money into. There's a reason that they care so much about Google Maps and Apple Maps and who has the best map feature. It's not so we can use their GPS. It's so that their road systems are are flawless. And they're getting there. They really are. Wow, I wonder who's going to win the map race then. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when the iPhone came out, everyone couldn't delete their Apple map fast enough or hide it away in a folder and download Google Maps. And that's still kind of the case. Although if you look at the technology, according to people smarter than I, Apple cars are way further ahead than Google cars. I really hope that our future self-driving cars are not at all like the Jetsons cars because those things are entirely glass and there's no seatbelts. And if you have to stop short to not hit a baby, you're going to probably break your nose and maybe even die. I think the plan is by that point, we wouldn't be stopping short for anything. Speaking of death and transportation, are you at all familiar with Star Trek transporters? I know about transportation. I know it exists in Star Trek, sure. Uh, Star Trek transporters, not necessarily transportation, since transportation is something that could be done with a shuttle. I meant teleportation, yes. I'm quite aware that there's teleportation in Star Trek. I've seen the movies. They're excellent. I uh, so so just to just to elaborate here, Ryan has seen the new movies and uh, not any of the old movies or the television shows. Again, the one Star with Trek. Leonard Nimoy. Oh, 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 the one with Leonard Nimoy. Uh, yeah, sure. Which which movie with Leonard Nimoy was that again? The one with Benjamin Cumberpatch. Oh, ben- Benjamin Cumberpatch. <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't see Into Darkness. I I heard that it was Leonard Nimoy is also not in that one. I don't think. But anyway, what what the hell are you saying? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, so Star Trek transporters. Now I I don't know. So so you've seen them in the movie, right? So you get yes. you get in a pad and uh and and they and they they dematerialize you and they rematerialize you where you want to go like on the surface of the planet right right all right uh did you know that that's actually a suicide box i i think i know where you're going and i'm very much in agreement with you that if you teleport you die yeah and somebody else comes out the other side thinking it's you i this i mean this this is such an old conversation about star trek and about transporters but it's such a fun one okay so you have this transporter pad and the idea is is that it basically breaks you up into little tiny bits and then it rematerializes you somewhere else however you're effectively when you're being broken up into little bits and then being made somewhere else they're destroying the old version of you and then remaking a copy of you wherever you want to go and that copy 
copy thinks it's you. And so that copy thinks it's you. No one knows you died. It well, because you didn't die. I mean, I mean, you didn't die. There's another. There's a version of you down there. It has all your memories. It has all your experiences. It is you. And then when it's done, you know, doing whatever it's doing down there, it'll get killed and brought back up to the ship. So basically, it's just a terrible holocaust in the entire Star Trek universe because people use transporters to get to work on Earth. They go yeah. everywhere. I'm a huge believer. I would never teleport. There is not anything you could do to make me teleport and i it's because of exactly that reason i think that you, it's just suicide that's one of my favorite things uh, reginald barkley a character in star trek the next generation reginald is, barkley yes uh he he is as is he uh, an old proper english gentleman he is as charismatic as his name sounds like he is he is a very nervous very fearful engineer and he is terrified of transporters because he knows how they work now he isn't terrified necessarily because he thinks that they're killing him he just doesn't like the idea of being broken down into little bits and being remade somewhere else he's terrified that there's something that something's gonna go wrong that uh transporter psychosis is gonna occur which is basically like they're breaking your brain down and how could they break your brain down and reassemble you somewhere else without something terrible going wrong in your head so you go crazy Uh, yeah it sounds like this show i don't know if you've seen it it's called uh, ghost in the shell and it's about transferring your essence into furnace looking armor guys (laughs) Oh, Ghost no, in the Shell. Have you stop, seen it? Stop, no. Stop, oh, stop. oh, oh, you don't want to. You don't want to go on that, huh? No. Uh, so the. Uh, all right. So, so a question I have for you, because of course everyone is is so on board with with the idea that uh, you know you're dying when you go into that into that transporter pad and you're going being reassembled somewhere else. And I have to I have to agree with it, but I also have to argue with it because it's just fun to argue. The uh, ship of Theseus, where you have a ship and you're traveling and you're going on an adventure with a ship. The ship is, you lose parts of the ship, the ship gets broken as you go, and you're replacing, you know, parts of the ship with, with new parts. And when you get to the end of your adventure, there's nothing of, of the actual original ship. You've just been, you know, like, replacing parts as it goes, and it's still your ship. It's still the ship of Theseus, but there's actually, like, none of the original wood, none of the none of the cloth. It's all been replaced. It's a completely new ship. You've just been replacing it piece by piece as sure, you're Sure, I actually, that, it's funny you brought that up. I didn't, I've never heard of that ship of Theseus argument before, but it's the same. You know, my father runs a mechanic shop, and I grew up in and around the shop and a lot of the cars that were quote-unquote classics in there had nothing of the original left there was i mean maybe parts of the frame and that's it i mean there was nothing left so it was not that classic car that they thought they had it was a complete frankenstein my point is it doesn't matter that's a car and a ship humans can't be broken down like that you can't take out a brain put in another one and hope that it's the same guy we are i mean we are losing pieces of ourselves as we live though don't you change every cell in your body every seven years it, it's it's something it's some statistic some number like that that you know you're not the same person that you were when you when you were born as you are when you die and your personality changes immensely i used to like insane clown posse i i i always <laughs> liked ketchup but oh no i used to like i used to like snapple with water in it i used to dilute it i don't like snapple at all anymore but uh that's you, everything you do is the weirdest <laughs> nonsensical thing i've ever heard uh what was it uh peanut butter and no peanut butter and banana is pretty common right that's how elvis died <laughs> peanut butter and banana on the toilet well elvis famously only <laughs> ate peanut butter and banana sandwiches on the toilet <laughs> the, oh okay so the, he died from starvation because he couldn't find a toilet so he couldn't eat his peanut butter and banana sandwiches and then when he finally sat down on one it was too late he was he starved to death but fortunately there was a star trek transporter pad nearby so they're able to dematerialize his body and then rematerialize him as a living elvis and that's how we have all those elvis elvis rumors of him still being around yeah he hangs out with tupac uh one more fun part on the star trek transporter thing is that 
it actually also happened once in the show where there was a transportation happening of Will Riker and something went wrong with the transporter and a Will Riker was beamed up to the Enterprise. But they're also, um, it, actually, no, I'm sorry, it was an old ship. It wasn't the Enterprise. But uh, a Will Riker was beamed up to the ship. But the Will Riker that was on the planet actually didn't get dematerialized all the way. And he was there. And then they went back to that planet on the Enterprise, like, later at some point, And they found another William Riker on the planet. So doesn't that prove right there that the one on the planet is the real Will Riker and the other one is just the clone that thinks oh, it's him? Okay, let me ask you this. Why would it be the real Will Riker when that Will Riker has been dematerialized and rematerialized how many times? So, Oh, well, I mean... The most recent one, then, I guess. <laughs> oh, so, oh, you're saying because he hasn't been killed because he was the oldest one. Yeah, right. He's that the he's oldest. the real one because he's just the oldest surviving one. Exactly. So he would inherit all of their possessions. And they didn't realize this happened? Well, Riker didn't have, like, a cell phone? Well, did what? Well, no, no, no. The, okay, the, the planet in question had, like, you know, some crazy problems with its atmosphere where they could only transport up in like, a very brief window. And so what happened was originally, the, when they transferred him up originally, the Will Riker, he, they got enough of his pattern to get him up. But I don't know, the old Will Riker was left there too. So what So what ended up with this, with, with this episode was this fun little dichotomy of personalities of, like, the Will Riker of what he had become versus the Will Riker that had been living alone on a planet for, like, seven years. And he ended up becoming his own person he actually ended up becoming a criminal and there's a whole little storyline with him they continue on in another in, an, in the next star trek series deep space nine let's equate that to what could actually happen in transportation what happens if your automated car is supposed to wait for you at the 7-eleven while you go inside and grab cigarettes and you're in the middle of nowhere and it's 2 a.m and then the car malfunctions says okay driver's back inside and takes off and leaves you stranded on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere and now you have to live in Wyoming for a year. Okay, so I'm curious. Is the issue here that the car left you or that the car is now driving without anyone in it? Because shouldn't the car have some Those sort of fail safe? Issues. Oh, yes, exactly. So this is the, that's, that's why this is such a fun topic that you brought up. Because <laughs> now we have a driverless car that is supposed to have a driver in it and is supposed to not you know, be able to drive without a person in it because it needs some sort of fail safe. So, of course, you know, we're relying on humans as a fail safe. That's a great idea. But uh, what if the fail safe is remote? What if the equivalent of an OnStar is the person who's supposed to be in charge of that if you've seen the show silicon valley i, sh I have he, not that's a mistake silicon valley is very funny but but anyway one of the characters gets in a self-driving car he's being brought home from a google equivalent and he gets in the back seat and the car is driving itself in the front all of a sudden the car reroutes and goes to a shipping containment yard and he gets transferred to an island for a week or something and he's almost starving to death there Whose fault is that? The, the failsafe was remote. He's in the car freaking out, trying to figure out how to stop it, try to reroute it. He can't. He can't get out of the car. And all of a sudden, next thing he knows, he's on Robot Island. All right. You know how when you order something from Amazon and it doesn't arrive within two days, you got it on the third day or the fourth day, but it was prime shipping. So you're supposed to get it in two days. White people are, 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 are you familiar <laughs> with this issue? Listen, it's a real issue when it's dog food and my dogs are starving because I don't want to go down the road to the pet store. I was going to say, just drive half a block. I know where you live. But okay, it doesn't matter. I think in that case, it would just be Google or apple or whoever owns the car they just give you a little bit of a credit you know oh yeah. okay you got you got stuck on you got stuck on the island for a week you got a nice vacation and you know we'll send a note to your job that you did miss work and you know here's like a 50 dollars store credit you're laughing but that's probably pretty accurate yeah that's probably what we're looking at where the apple car malfunctions ruins a week of your life or destroys your property destroys your garage maybe it runs over little timmy's leg and apple will send you hey that a boy 
care package. Here, it's a different thing if a person is injured. Of okay? course. It, however, if it runs over Scruffy, then they can like pay for the funeral rights. But it's you know it's a dog. It's not a person, so it's not near. It's not nearly as serious in law because I guess you're treating it as property. Is that I, I just I just segued into a whole different law discussion. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah, I mean yes. For the record, in most states and most jurisdictions, pets are property. But as I'm sure you can hear, my dog running around and biting soda bottles. I care a lot about dogs. They are property under the law. If I kill your dog in most jurisdictions, I pay you a fine for that. It's not I've not actually committed a crime. You're yes, not there's go to jail. Well, there, I mean, there's animal cruelty laws, certainly. But on its face, the damage to you is just property damage. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if Apple, in this case, they would run over, you know, Scruffy, your dog, and then give you a store credit or they would right. give you a credit to a new dog. Uh, Honestly, is, yeah. I mean, that's that's how the law would look at that right now. You, if construction's going on at your house and a beam falls on your dog, they, they have to pay you the value of the dog. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, Which is not high, usually. No, it's pretty awful, actually, if you think about it. Oh, it was a mutt. You got it out of the pound. It was 30 bucks, right? <laughs> right. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, that is how it works in a lot of jurisdictions. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, the emotional grief or everything else that people want to sue for, you're, you're not going to win that. It's just not going to happen. So it it's... It's unfortunate, but it's a reality, and it also has nothing to do with self-driving cars. So, so we ran <laughs> off on one tangent, because that did have to do with self-driving cars, because we got to the island. I'm not going to go all the way back. But however, so our car has now has now driven off by itself, uh, and we are stuck at a gas station in Wyoming, because, I don't know, we were going somewhere interesting, but now we're stuck here. I tried to th- picture the worst place on the planet. Wyoming. <laughs> all right. Uh, what's 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 in Wyoming? I'm, I'm not that familiar with the state. Is it... No, is it, I, I, I mean, that's why I picked it. I think literally nothing. Oh, like, do they have... Have cornfields like Kansas? Could you go be a corn farmer? I think you would have to be a corn farmer. To be back on the uh, I'm stuck at a 7-Eleven issue in Wyoming. Wouldn't it just boil down to more uh, store credits from Amazon? Uh, you know, sorry that you got left on the island. Sorry you got left at 7-Eleven. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. It'll be interesting to see where automated cars wind up in the future, whether it is the FAA, like with drones, if they do start to hover or have their own roadways, or if it's always going to be the DMV, which is the Department of Motor Vehicles, probably the one who should be running it. They just need more well-educated people. Yeah, well, that's the problem across the board with with all our legislators right now is they don't really invite the proper scientists in the room. They they invite it's it's the problem with all opinions forever. I mean, it's you invite an expert in who is going to tell you what you want to hear, not the guy who's actually understanding everything or giving you an unbiased opinion. That exists very much in politics. Are you saying like in a courtroom where you get a where you get an expert that'll just agree with you and not necessarily uh, someone that knows what they're talking about? I mean, I would never do that, but of course, yeah, many attorneys bring in an expert witness that they know is going to side with them despite what the truth is. It's like they want to win an argument. Almost. All right. Can you imagine that? Two lawyers trying to win an argument win in court. Win arguments in court. That's, that's completely Disgusting. unrealistic. So do you think we're going to have roadways in Manhattan in 20 years? Or do uh, you think we're going to have some kind of insanely different public transportation system, whether it is subways and train tubes or I think vacuum cars. tubes. We're going to have vacuum tubes a la Futurama. I know I talk about it all the time, but it's such a great show. We're going to have vacuum tubes. So you see those glass tubes? Just imagine. Uh, so it's like a phone booth, but it's transparent uh, and it's a glass tube that you go in, you get sucked up, you say where you want to go and apparently there's just an automated system that'll direct you to where you want to go. You're not going to hit anybody on the way 
Hopefully there might be jams and that might be a little uncomfortable, but it'll just spit you out eventually and you'll be where you want to go. It's pretty quick. It's a, it's a very quick way. It's faster than uh, it, it would be faster than subways. It would probably be uh, a little more disgusting than subways because your face is right up against the glass. And it's the same problem with the Twitter robot. You know, people will just be spitting in it the whole time. Uh, exactly. It's going to be, you know, you'll spit gum out. You know, some well, some well-intentioned people might, you know, just like sneeze. Uh, and eventually, considering all the people that are going to be using it, it'll just be coated from the inside and it'll be green and brown. And now I'm imagining it and it's horrible. I don't well, believe it. Just the least practical and stupidest thing. I hope you didn't ever actually believe that would be a thing. Listen, uh, if you go online, there were, I believe, in the it was the late 1800s, the early 1900s, there were actually some designs for this. Instead of using uh, instead of using elevators in subways to get you up and down, the idea was to use these interesting little vacuum tubes where they would just shoot you up with air. Well, it didn't go very far. I I can tell you that. Instead of talking about mass transit, how about we talk about something more personal? We used to always fantasize about rocket packs, and uh, I don't know, did you ever see The Rocketeer? Fantastic movie. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, I mean, he had he had a rocket pack that could just take him places, and that was his... I, I honestly can't believe it took us this long to get to jetpacks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're tar- talking about travel, but jetpacks, I mean, people love them, they love the idea of them, and they made movies about them. That was his main superpower. Yeah, I can't imagine jetpacks ever being practical for any use. Uh, are, I mean, are you honestly, talking about you? Uh, okay well let me let me ask you can you not imagine it because of legal implications of people flying around and hitting each other or realistic implications of them actually just not actually being able to work and i've seen so many videos of people making jetpacks or scientists making jetpacks and they don't really work that well and it's kind of sad and it destroys the image of the rocketeer in right my head. yeah i mean so both obviously it's it's uh you know shout out to uh uh one of my favorite clients made the game Pilotier. It's it's a game about how difficult it would be to fly a jetpack. Really? Yeah, and the legal and insurance implications are just ones that would never be allowed ever in use in society. I also just don't see a practical use for it. Wait, what? What, what about what? What do you not see a practical use for it for? I, I mean, is it because what, we have cars instead? And elevators. Like, where isn't a jetpack going to be more useful than a car or an elevator Well, first of all, I think the idea is that it's going to be more entertaining than a car. I'll give you that. I mean, bungee jumping is entertaining, but it's not really a mode of travel. Uh, If bungee bungee jumping could take you horizontally instead of vertically, I think a lot of people would use that mode of travel. I don't think a lot of people would use that mode of travel, actually, now that I think about it. (laughs) Okay. You didn't even finish your sentence before you disagreed with yourself. (laughs) I don't think a lot of people would use it. I think some people might choose to use it as part of a thrill and also movement efficiency uh ex- experiment but it's uh, not efficient it's it, it there, there I, I mean maybe i'm wrong i'm sure some listener will yell at me and say no you idiot i can't believe you never thought of this application but i truly can't think of a single use jetpacks could ever have besides they being fun to fly yeah they'd be fun to fly oh okay uh, okay uh there's there's a cat in the tree get a ladder the jetpack's going to light the tree on fire, <laughs> possibly hit your head against the tree. Even if the jetpack worked perfectly. Wait, are you thinking of combu- of like combustion jetpacks with no, fire? I, no, I mean any one of the many jetpacks in Jetpack Joyride. I think they would all hurt the cat more they're than not, a ladder. They're not necessarily going to, you know, use flames. And uh, okay, okay, I get, I, I will give it to you that unless you're an experienced jetpack user, you might not be able to get up to the cat without mauling it. But if you're like a superhero, now I'm talking about superheroes. All right, I'm really trying to win jetpacks. I'm really trying to get jetpacks a win here, but 
it's sounding less and less practical the more that I talk about it. I don't like that I became part of the anti-jetpack constituency, but it is what it is. I mean, there's not a single practical use besides it's fun, which is cool. I mean, if you want to make jetpacks because it's fun, great. If you want to make jetpacks because of any other reason, you're being silly. You're really breaking dreams here, but uh, maybe, okay, crud, jetpacks are gone. Now, now we can't use them anymore, and it's your fault. One of the more fantastical methods of transportation could be portals. I know you're going to look at me and say, Austin, portals are magical and fantasy, and this is a future podcast. But portals, we have the game Portal, then that could be real, right? The idea is that you fold space, and I'd, obviously I don't know how to do this, but you fold you space are so in excited. two areas. You're way too excited right now. For everyone listening, he's literally standing up. And he's walking around the room. He's so, just... Got so excited talking about Portal. So you fold space in between two areas, and you can step through the area, and you're barely just crossing the same amount of space, but in a much shorter period of time. And Do you I, think you had to stand up to demonstrate putting your foot forward to show me what a portal would be? No, but I did have to go get my, my portal gun, uh, okay. the, the replica that I had, and then oh I can God. shoot it at the wall, and then I could walk out the other side of the wall. No, but one of your favorite modes of transport is portals. It's gateway, right? That's that series where like people... Oh my God, yeah. what a... <laughs> What a segue. That's a segue. Yes. But- so one of my, the first game I ever played as a child, my, my father brought home that, that old 93 Windows computer that could barely turn on. And the first game we got was a text-based RPG called Frederick Pohl's Gateway based on a sci-fi award-winning book series. And it had one picture per room. So there was an image to go along with your imagination, but it was really just a text-based adventure. You had to go around and pick things up by typing it in and figure it out. And it, it was absolutely amazing. It was my favorite game ever. It was the first game I ever played. Let's talk about Gateway a little bit then. How does that work? How does the Gateway work? Well, so there is no Gateway. Gateways? No. It was, you're, if you wanted this to be Portal, it's not going to be. What happened was they were doing a dig and they found this giant pit. And in the pit, there was about 100 spaceships. They were alien ships that no one had ever seen before. It was supposed to be modern day Earth. So we barely had any kind of ability to space travel in any real way. And all of a sudden, we found all these ships. They figured out very quickly that these ships had 10 buttons each, and they were able to fly somewhere in space on autopilot. You would hit a button, it would go, bam. The problem was, it was all in alien writing, and no one could figure it out. So what they devised, what the government figured out, was they were going to let people use these ships as a lottery. So you would go into the ship, you would hit a button, and you would be flung to wherever it was, and there was a return home button, which would return back here. If you made it back home with any artifacts or any kind of visuals you found, you would be a multi-multi-billionaire. It was, it was the most lucrative thing possible. The problem was about 80% of people who went out never came back. They would die. It was a huge gamble, but it was basically, are you willing to press a button and either die or come back and be rich as anything? And eventually what happened was the right button was hit, and he discovered Gateway. And at Gateway, there was thousands and thousands of more of these ships. And Gateway was just a big space station. Wow, Gateway sounds fascinating. Gateway was fascinating. I was truly obsessed with Gateway. I did like my sixth grade science fair on whether or not Gateway could be real. Ryan told me about Gateway once, and I installed the game, and I got about five to ten minutes in before I got too bored and I stopped playing because I no longer have as much imagination as Ryan probably did when he was a child. What I do recommend is reading Frederick Pohl's books. He just passed away recently, but he was writing up until his death, and he uh, he has a very interesting blog, and he has a great series of books, the Gateway series, that I highly recommend. 
How about those South Park gyroscope things? You got in it, and maybe we could eliminate the part where it shoved the... the, the... All right, enough. Yes, everybody's seen that episode. I'll tell you what that episode has right, is that there is nothing worse than dealing with the airlines right now. I can't wait till that mode of travel is fixed, or at least the TSA is gone. I, I feel less safe because of the TSA than I would if we just let everybody do whatever they wanted on the plane. For a layman that does not travel by air very much, I do it maybe once every two years. Why is the TSA that bad? The TSA is the government organization that is the annoying people who scan everything you have at the airport and they pat you down and there's always an issue and it takes forever to get on your flight. Yet, when the government tested them, they had a 98% failure rate or something like that, where the government, they had agents trying to sneak weapons in, and the TSA never found them. The TSA has never stopped anyone ever. They've never prevented a terrorist act. What has prevented a terrorist act are the other security measures we've implemented that actually work. Air marshals on planes, the thicker doors to the cockpits, etc., etc., etc. What doesn't stop anything is the TSA. The TSA is useless. I hate them. They always randomly check me, and I always am late for my flights because of the TSA, who is doing nothing but burdening me. They know I hate them, so I get randomly checked nine times out of ten. Is terrible inefficiency the future of travel, or is just, I don't know, full body scans that you don't even notice the future of travel you know you're laughing but that's a serious question are are things going to get worse as we go forward this body scanner was supposed to speed things up and all it does is make twice as many pat downs as we had it's hell i mean everything about the airport is hell i hate it i don't know why they thought a full body scan would make things better like the medical full body scans are similar you get a full body scan and there's like 20 things that could be tumors it doesn't speed things up or help at all because they could be tumors, but they're probably not tumors. I went through the body scan yesterday, actually, when I got back from Chicago, and something appeared on my like heart area on the screen. And I was like, oh, what's that? And she's like, oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about that. <laughs> it's not mean? a tumor. What is that? It's not a tumor. I wonder if we're going to cut all that. <laughs> I'm not going to cut it. I hate the TSA. You hate them that much that you have to use what, in, what limited influence that you have to post it and to make sure other people know that the TSA is terrible. I just want everyone to know the TSA is the worst. All right, Austin, let's say I'm a wealthy businessman. You're in a room. You're in your finest suit, which I know you don't own. You're in front of me. You need to impress me. This is Shark Tank. What's your idea for future transportation? Sharks in vats. When we put sharks in vats, then they can shoot water out of the back to propel the shark vat. And you can ride on top of the shark vat. They just have to invent a very tough type of glass so there's no no no, chance. do another one. Rockets. So we're going to strap rockets to your shoes. (laughs) And with the rocket shoes. The ultimate wheelies. Yeah. Oh, wheels. We could put wheels on shoes. Those those literally exist. Heelies. Why don't we use those? (laughs) Next idea. Uh, All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take heat and we're going to bottle heat together and we're going to put it in a backpack and we're going to have these skateboard things. You lay down on the skateboard and then you release the valve on the heat backpacks and the heat will jet you forward. And that's going to how that's going to be how you get from place to place. The only thing is so a more dangerous combination of a jetpack and a car. You can't (laughs) steer it. But it but boy, can it explode. The only (laughs) the only problem that I see with this is you only see one problem. The only problem that I see with this is fuel, is that these these packs are not going to last that long, so you need to have refuel stations every mile or so, so you can, you know, stop. This is definitely, this is a much more intelligent future. Everyone, take a mattress and a hydrogen tank, just open it up and fly forward, and eventually you might hit another <laughs> station. Don't worry, we've built one on every block as it was needed. Actually, the mattress idea is an improvement on my idea, because the mattress will enable you, <laughs> you to stop a little bit better, because mine didn't really have a way for you to stop other than running out of fuel. 
okay, we're going to harness the power of clouds. So, so you know how clouds, they accumulate water, right? So we just need to hook huge bags around clouds. As they accumulate water, we can put hoses in to the bags and the water, instead of rainfall, it'll just come directly down those hoses. I really think that's a Mojo Jojo bad guy scheme from Powerpuff Girls. Well, that'll do it for the end of Robot Congress this week. It's been an absolute pleasure, Austin, as always. No, no, I, I just thought of more ideas. Sarcastically. No, it's cheetahs. We can, oh, we're, no, out of, we're, we're, we're out of time. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Ryan Morrison. You can follow me on Twitter at Robot Austin. And you can follow the show at Robot underscore Congress. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Good night. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>